0: Imagine being able to ask any question about church issues and practices at any time. Imagine getting a response in 24 hours or less. Imagine a team led by Tom Rainer answering your questions. It's like having your own church consultant on staff, and it's only $14.97 per month. That's only 49 cents per day, and there's no long-term commitment. You can try it today at churchanswers.com slash subscribe. You'll also get a free virtual staff meeting led by Tom Rayner every single month. Again, join us at churchanswers.com slash subscribe. Got church questions? Get church answers. Hi, and welcome to EST. What's up and welcome to another episode of EST. My name is Josh King and this is the podcast for Established Church Leaders by Established Church Leaders. Micah is on the show today. And Micah, how's the day going for you? It's fantastic, man. It's a gorgeous you day in Chattanooga. Had a couple of cups of coffee. I'm not sleeping real well here lately. Are you, sli- you, know, are you You should get a good night's sleep?
1: I, I just have been sleepy the past two days. Yesterday, in between our services, uh, in between the early service and the late service, I fell asleep at my desk, <laughs> but that's not, that's not normal for me. Normally I am massive high energy. I don't drink right. caffeine. I don't, I do drink some sugar, not as much as I used to, but I'm, I'm, I mean, just my natural energy is usually really high. So it's usually unusual for me.
0: I got a lot going, going on. I'm tired. I can't go to sleep. Got a lot of ideas going on. And then I wake up real early, um, because more ideas, but a dude fell asleep in small group a couple weeks ago. <laughs> He just went straight out and um, did the whole like jump real fast when he oh, was falling. No. Oh. And so I looked over and I said, Are you, you staying late? And he goes, Yeah. I said, Then go to sleep, dude. I mean, like, none of us yeah. care. <laughs> just go it's to sleep. Okay. The rest of us are going to chat. Yeah. So, um, you know, there is a lot going on. And I think, um, you know, you and I talk about these episodes and we do a lot of collaborative type of stuff. And so. Uh, we talk about how we're going to plan it, and it brings up the kind of the idea of, you know, what if you planned out your sermons with other people? Is that something you guys do at Brainerd?
1: It is, yeah. In fact, I will be doing it in a couple of hours this afternoon. We, do, we have a sermon prep team that meets,
0: and uh, we do sermon prep in community every week. So— yeah and that's a great way to think about this sermon prep and community and for somebody like myself who has not now i talk through my sermons i even talk through the series kind of some of the direction we're going to go but really i'm driving that and it really seems it almost just seems one of those things you just can't do multiple people and so i'd love to hear more about that and you were even sharing about um, a group of people that were doing this, multiple autonomous churches were doing this together. Yeah, that's right. This is not a big church
1: idea, and this, that's. I think we've got to blow that that concept up. Well, you've got a big church, you've got a bunch of people, so you're, you know, you're doing sermon prep in community. I've got friends who are pastoring uh, smaller churches of maybe a hundred or even less in one area, where three or four pastors who are all good friends, mm-hmm. um, they come together every week. They, what they do is they prep, they plan their sermons, and they preach the same sermon series um, after. Um, you know, uh, at the same time. And then they plan, or they actually do their sermon prep every week together. And so this can work in a number of different places. I've done this before in a church where it was smaller, where I used just some lay people to come alongside me and do sermon prep with me every week. So there are a number of different ways you can do this. This shouldn't be a foreign idea. It is harder. It does take a little bit of time to get started and figure it out, but it doesn't necessarily need to take more time than what you already spend. If you just are wise about it, and so I'll tell you how we do it. Yeah, um, and then we can you can pick it apart, and you know we can come up with a different way of doing it if you want. But this is how we do it. We do once a year a sermon planning. We call it a sermon planning retreat. That's really a misnomer. It's not a retreat. It's just we go somewhere where nobody's going to bother us for one or two days, and mm-hmm. we plan out our sermons for the following year. That actually is going to happen here at Brainerd. By the time this airs, we will have already finished this. Uh, so our sermon plan- planning retreat for 2019. Uh, so you do a whole rec- year. We do a whole year at a time. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you how we do that. That sounds like a lot of work, and it sounds like you can't, but we can. I'll, I'll tell you what we do. Okay. Um, we're gonna rec- we're gonna do the, our sermon planning retreat the week oh, oh, when we're recording this the, a week from now uh, is okay. when we'll do our about nine or so days from now is when we do our sermon planning retreat, uh, and so what we do is we. Have a general idea of uh, some—we have some things that are on the calendar every single year. Uh, For us, there are three series that are pretty much going to be on the calendar every single year. We're going to do a vision series at the beginning of the year, three or four weeks on who we are as a church. We're going to do a giving and stewardship series in October because we have um, something called Harvest Day, the beginning of November which is our, um, our biggest giving day of the year. And it's just something that's very specific to Brainerd. And so leading into that, we'll do three or four weeks on biblical stewardship. And then we're going to do an Advent series every year leading up to Christmas. And okay. so we, we already know that's somewhere in the ballpark of 12, uh, 10 to 12 weeks out of the year that are already off the table. We know exactly what those are going to be, and we pencil those in. Um, you also
0: we, know Easter and We're going to
1: do Easter. What we don't know is, is Easter going to be a one-week series? Is it going to be a two- or three-week series? Is Easter going to kick off a new series, or is Mm. it going to be just a standalone? So we do know we've got to do something around Easter, but we don't always know what we're going to do. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. So so we know that. Then we also generally know there are a few things we're interested in. So I can tell you, I met with some of our guys last week, and I said, Hey, on the agenda for our sermon planning retreat, I want to do an ecclesiology series. Mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to call it I Love My Church or something like that. Basically, what is the church? We'll do church membership and baptism and deacons and pastors and what are all those things. We'll do about a six-week series on the church. Well, that's one of our plans for next year, um, and then we, I want to do a series next year called um, From Seed to Sequoia, there's a new song out by Hillsong called mm-hmm. Seasons that we've been singing a lot at Brainerd. I love it. And there's a line in there about how the song is about how God could, if he wanted to, do everything in an instant. But instead, he takes his time. And so sometimes we have to be patient waiting on him. And uh, there's a line about how the, the process of waiting on God is like from seed to sequoia. It takes a mm-hmm. long time to go yeah. from seed to sequoia. And uh, so we want to do a series on what it means for God to fulfill his promises, but call us to wait in the meanwhile, uh, Mm -hmm. in the meantime, and we want to call it From From Seed to Sequoia will be the sermon series title. Cool. So we know that those are a few things we want to do. Yeah. Generally, though, the majority of our teaching is book series, right? And so we're going to teach through a book. We've been talking about maybe tackling Romans, uh, you know, that'll maybe pr- take a few years to tackle. And w- what we would probably do in that instance is we would break Romans up into three or four pieces and we would do one series would be like the first ha- quarter of Romans. The next series would be the next quarter of Romans. And we could spread it out in between other series over the course of two years. Yeah. So we know that those are all things we want to do. When we come to our sermon uh, prep, you know, retreat, we'll get a whiteboard out and we'll map out the whole year and we'll try and plug in where all these go. What we want to accomplish at our sermon planning retreat is we want to get an overall sweep of the whole year. We want to week by week over a 52-week period, we want to be able to, to nail down, here's the series we're going to preach on each Sunday, here's the sermon we're going to preach on each Sunday, That specific text we're using, and the main point of that text. And we'll have all of that done by the end of August for all of 2019. Mm-hmm and by doing that what it allows us to do is anybody else who has who is dependent on sermon topic for what they do they'll have it in advance so our communications team that's going to help us figure out what do we call each of these series and what graphics do we need to create for the series and our discipleship folks who are we're doing sermon based small group material they'll have all of that stuff at least you know 17 uh, or as much as 17 months in advance to start planning Here's the text I need to be preparing to write curriculum for those small groups.
0: Let me pause you right there. There could be some of our listeners going, Ah, see, I'm out. I don't have a communications team. We don't right, do sure. graphics, all that kind yeah, of stuff. They don't need but to let do all me that. just tell you. But that
1: doesn't affect any I mean, that doesn't right. affect your sermon planning.
0: And I would just say this. I do a year out in advance too, and I'm the main speaker and we don't have that. I make all of our own graphics, that sort of stuff. And I cannot tell you the less the 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 Relief. amount of stress that is relieved yeah from the fact that I literally don't worry every single week, what am I going to preach on? I don't have that sort of issue. And so I can tell you eight weeks from now what's planned to preach because I just know, and we can, and sometimes our worship pastor, you know, he's like, Hey, I want to kind of work on this stuff. I said, here's the spreadsheet, man. It's got all the text. It's got all that sort of stuff. It's just relaxed. And and there is a huge amount of preaching stress that's relieved when you have it at least charted, you kind of this is the direction I'm going to go. So, um, I got another idea here. This is this is kind of funny. Our listeners know Noe Garcia over at uh, North Phoenix. And, um, did you see the video that he posted on his Family Matters series? No, I didn't see that. It's hilarious. They, the whole the design team or whoever did it, they did a whole Family Matters, you know, the old show, whatever yeah, happened. Absolutely. They did that, um, they did the song over it. Noe comes out. He's all so cheesy, he turns and smiles at the camera. I mean, it's just <laughs> like the – and they do like this aerial shots of Phoenix instead of San Fran. So, I mean, it's hilarious and so low budget but funny. So our, our fans are – our listeners are going to have to go check that out. But anyways, yeah, back so, to your, but, your but retreat. back to
1: your point, if you're a, a smaller church that doesn't have all those people, that's fine. I I know when I pastored a church of 50 people, I tried to plan my sermons out a year in advance Because I didn't have time every week to sit sit here and figure out what am I going to do. I knew that if I could just take one day, if I could find one day, and at the time I was bivocational working another job, so it might be a Saturday or something like that, and I don't want to give those up. But if I could give up one and just sit down and map out a year of preaching, it created so much stress relief, as you've said. took all this pressure off of me and allowed me, all I had to do was focus on prepping for the sermon I didn't have to worry about planning or any of those sort of things. I just had to pl- to, to prep for the sermon, and uh, and it just changed my ability to lead well in a smaller church. So I would actually say you may not have communications folks and discipleship people and all that stuff. That's fine, and that's the norm. But planning your sermon sermons out long in advance is a an even bigger help for the smaller church pastor.
0: What do you do with the—let's say you get in, you're like, I don't know, five months in. It's rolling pretty good and you made a mistake, this happens to me occasionally as a single pass, uh, preaching team, and you've got multiple, you, you pick the wrong point. That's not actually, you start doing the exegetical work, and you're like, man, this isn't the point of this text, or that's not the right verse. Um, but maybe you've got a couple people working on y'all ever have to call audibles week sure. of? Or, okay. Yeah,
1: actually, and that's one of the things we, we do, by the way, when we plan our sermons out of year in advance, we always pl- factor in at least four weeks where we don't have anything planned. Mm. And we plan in those four weeks somewhere October, November, September time frame. For us, September is a really good time to to leave those four weeks open because of the way we do the calendar, because our giving series is in October, and then we generally go into an Advent series in November and December. And so um, we know those are set, and we're not going to budge on those. So if I can put in about three or four weeks of margin in the month of September, as we're getting into the weekly preparation – then we're going to be able to find times where we think, oh, this this should have been two sermons instead of one. Right. And this text is too big. We need to do two sermons. Or uh, we find out we could have a guest preacher, and we invite them to come in, and we need to all of a sudden bump a series by a week. Well, we, we build those three to four weeks in at the, at the planning stage, and that allows us to have the flexibility to make those changes as we go. So this is not so rigid that we can't change anything. It does provide structure, and it builds in a little bit of flexibility.
0: That's cool. So, so at the retreat... So we do that. that
1: at the retreat. We want to know what's the primary point of the text. What text do we And we, we nail all that down. We don't do sermon outlines or any of that sort of stuff. This is not that detailed. It's just map out the year. Then every week, we have an hour and a half meeting once a week where we bring in four or five people who have looked at the text ahead of time and have prepared for it. And uh, when we sit down, what we do is we, we start by charting out what's the primary point of the text and... What is the what we call the exegetical outline of the text. So mm-hmm. in my mind, the way I understand preaching, preaching and teaching the Bible are very different things. So I would say that teaching the Bible is focused on what the Bible says, and preaching is focused on what the Bible means, if I can mm-hmm. say it that way. Okay, so an exegetical outline reveals historically what the Bible said.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So Moses went up the mountain. Right? That's what the Bible says. But preaching is supposed to ask the question, in light of what Moses did, what does that call us to do? Right, That's the difference with preaching. And right. so we, when we meet in these, these meetings, we come up with what we call the one big thing. Totally stole that from Andy Stanley, so that's not original to no. us. But Andy says every sermon should basically say one thing. We agree with that. So what's the one big thing in this text? We want to outline that. And then, how do we do an exegetical outline? Just outline the historical reality of the text. And then what we do is we convert the exegetical outline to a homiletical outline. Exegetical outline is usually past tense. Homiletical outline is usually present or future tense and Mm action-oriented. What God calls us to do in light of the text. And so that's our whole hour and a half. What's the one big thing in the text? What's the exegetical outline? And how do we convert it to a homiletical outline? When we leave that hour and a half meeting, We've had a group of people who've spoken into it together. That group of people, by the way, is multiracial, um, sometimes is multi-gender, and is usually also multi-generational. And we do that on purpose to make sure that we're filtering our understanding of the text and interpretation through the, the, the lens of all the different people in the church who are gonna be hearing it. And uh, make sure, I mean, because particularly, the, the reality is the majority of preachers in America are men, right, mm-hmm. and so um, we tend to view the text through a male perspective. We want to make sure that our illustrations are not male-centric and our application is not male-centric because we tend to do that because we tend to illustrate and apply in a way that resonates with us. So it's okay to have some of those illustrations and applications as long as you provide some balance in there with that. Uh, we want to make sure. I'm 39 years old. I want to make sure that all my stories and illustrations don't resonate with just me, right? Well, you know, it doesn't need to be stories from the early 1990s or TV shows from the late at 1980s, like you just <laughs> dropped with Family Matter. You know, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so um, so that helps what we're because you get
0: do. the hour and a half, and then that's right. so then now when do you do your actual do. prep? And then the prep,
1: prep is so what we do is we take that homiletical outline and the one big thing. We load it into a Google Doc, and whoever is preaching—and at our church, we always have two or three preachers every weekend. At your church, you may just have one preacher, but you give two or three people access to the Google Doc. Each person goes in throughout the week and edits the sermon and adds content and shapes it. And our goal is by Thursday evening, the sermon is done and finished, ready to go by Sunday.
0: Wait, so like— People start – so you've got a uh, like a Word document or, or a Google, Google doc, doc, and yeah. people are going in and literally putting in illustrations that you're going to share?
1: Yeah, and then I can go in and say yes or no. Ultimately, I'm the senior pastor. I can scrap it or say I'm going to go with it or I'm not going to go with it. But our sermon outline, our sermon manuscript, we don't preach with a manuscript, we preach with an expanded outline, is right. absolutely every week a collaborative product from multiple people. One wow. of the things we've I've done recently. That. Yeah, one of the things we've done recently that is helpful is I'll usually take the lead on forming what that content is in the sermon. And the other people, let's say Paul Lasso, who we've talked about. Um, Paul is one of our other primary preachers. Paul's going in. And so what Paul may do is instead of just adding the content in, there's a feature in Google Docs where you can add a comment. Right. And so you highlight one word and then say add a comment. And he'll say, okay, here's what I've been studying, and I see this. And he'll add the comment out, and then I can decide whether to insert the comment in or not. Like last week, there were two or three comments he made that I thought, man, that's really helpful. That needs to be a part of the sermon outline. And so I copied and pasted it into the sermon outline. There was one comment he made that I thought, I don't know if I want that in the sermon outline, but I still want that content in there in case I need to refer to it. And so I inserted it as a footnote in the sermon outline. And hmm. so I had the content there. It wasn't in the main bulk of my of our of our preaching outline, but it was a footnote that I could reference. And I did reference it, actually. I said, you know, this is here, but I didn't belabor the point. Um, but that allows me to make the ultimate call about what goes in the sermon outline and what doesn't. I mean, I'm the, I'm the senior pastor, buck stops with me, I'm going to make that call. But it's definitely collaborative with multiple people weighing in and adding content.
0: That's very, that's interesting. So it's
1: different. It takes a little while to get used to. Um, I think you have to have a little bit of humility probably to make it work because, yeah. you know, I mean, you're going to have to have other people. And, and I'll be honest with you. It was hard for me at first. Like Paul or someone else would add something and I'd be like, no, that's not the way I would say it. And then I realized, yeah, but maybe that's the way it's more effective for people to hear it. And so it did take me swallowing my pride a little bit at times. But I'm just telling you, our sermons are way better because of it, way better, not marginally better, significantly better because of it.
0: That's fascinating. Yeah. I'm just trying to wrap my brain around it. Like, I mean, so then let's say Thursday evening, this is done. The collaborative uh, you know, manuscript is done. Yeah. You read that a couple times and just get up and say whatever you remember, or do you memorize it? How does that work? No,
1: I don't memorize. I don't ever memorize it. No, I've, I've read through it a couple of times. Um, I mean, I've been working on it all week long. So even the collaborative effort that's finished on Thursday, I'm the one who says it's done. So I'm the one who's looked over it over and over and over again. Usually when I put it to bed on Thursday, I don't look at it again until Saturday afternoon. Okay. And uh, I'll, I'll read through it once or twice before I preach it on, you know, I preach every Saturday night at our, at our Chattanooga campus. And so... I'll read through it once or twice on Saturday afternoon before I preach on Saturday night. Um, but the way I preach, I mean, I, I use my notes as a guide. I'm pretty extemporaneous in the way I preach. And so mm-hmm. I'll probably look down at my notes less than 5%, maybe right about 5% of my preaching time is spent looking at my notes. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of the time, I'm extemporaneous, heads up. I'm looking at the con- congregation. I'm comfortable with what I think the text says and what I want to say about the text. And so my notes for me are reference. They're not manuscript.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. I, re- I I send my manuscript and I read it so many times, then I just stand up and say, for lack of a better word, I share what I remember, and it's what I've learned. And so it, it comes out extemporaneous and, and that sort of idea. Is uh is your other preaching people more read the manuscript, memorize, or, no, or is it all about hire, the same? I mean,
1: we're, we're pretty, I mean, they are, now most of our, uh, some of our preaching guys used to use more of a manuscript, and I've pushed them away from it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a big believer that God calls you as you are. I'm not saying that manuscript preaching is bad at all. Please don't hear me say that. If that's your model of preaching, use it if you're comfortable with it. I just prefer to see guys' personality come out in the way they preach. So our folks who are on our staff, I want their personality to be clear as they deliver it. And so I've encouraged them to scale back a little away from a manuscript. But the truth is almost everybody on our staff who preaches uses more of a manuscript than I do. They mm-hmm. might take that expanded outline that we use to preach from, and they might flesh it out a little bit more before Saturday or Sunday when they preach. Uh, but they, they absolutely have to use that that whatever we've put together, that's what they have to use. They can expand on that. They can use their own illustrations. They can maybe apply it in a little bit of a different way. It's not going to be verbatim in each of our services. Frankly, it's not going to be verbatim in any of the services that I preach
0: mm-hmm. uh, because
1: I'm extemporaneous. But it has to come off of that outline, that expanded outline that we've
0: created. So which which sermon goes online?
1: Uh, usually, it's our eleven fifteen BX service, which is our eleven fifteen contemporary model, and it's our biggest service.
0: Do you ever like say, "Man, that one was bad. Let's yeah. go with the Saturday."
1: I have done that once or twice in the two plus years I've been here. Uh, <laughs> Saturday. It's never Saturday. We don't record our Saturday services, so it's never our Saturday. It's it could be our eight thirty, our early sanctuary service, which I also preach. Uh, a couple of times I've said that. But for me as a preacher, I found the more times I preach it, the better it usually gets. So when I preach 1115 on Sunday morning, that's the third time I've preached the sermon that weekend. And so usually it's the strongest of all of them.
0: I see. So that, that's how that works. I've
1: also worked. I'll tell you another thing that's been really helpful for me, Josh, is I've also worked to cut my sermon time down.
0: How, now, and talk to me about that. I tried to preach less yesterday. had a very big reason why I needed to do that. Sure. had a lot going on. Still went forty five minutes, and I was shooting for thirty, and I just went now. So what I uh, let me tell you good feedback. I just don't. I use
1: a a countdown timer. Mm -hmm. I use a countdown timer that is set on. uh, What it does is it counts down from the time we set it. I think we set it at thirty minutes, and then as soon as it gets to thirty minutes, it starts going into the negative, and it it kind of flashes to tell me I'm now in the negative. Mm-hmm. And so I used to be a 45 to 50 minute preacher and I'm now consistently 30 to 35 minutes. And I found that I had to cut no content out of my preaching. I just had to cut redundancy mm-hmm. and some of my fluff out of it. Um, yeah, that's probably I, my, why my sermon outlines are identical now to what they were when I was preaching 45, 50 minutes. It's the exact same content. I'm preaching everything on my outline. I just have to cut out redundancy. In mm. fact, two weeks ago, my sermon was 28 minutes long, and That's I preached, awesome. and it was the exact same amount of notes as when I preach 45 or 50 minutes. Mm. And Now, I do talk fast. I preach a lot more words per minute than the average preacher does. Um, I'm, my words per minute are really high. I actually get a sermon manuscript every week. Um, after the sermon is over, I, uh, they send me a manuscript of what I've preached, and um, we have a lady in the church who does it professionally, and she just volunteers to do it for us. And so she sends me a manuscript. So I actually get to count how many words I preach every week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my words per minute are really, really, really high. So I probably fit a little bit more in a shorter period of time than the average person does. But, um, but yeah, I've just, I've just found that I'm able to economize my preaching. And, you know, if you talk to, I, I used to be one of these guys who complained about the short attention span of the culture around us and said, you know what, dog on it, we just need to, uh, we just need to, they just need to pay attention anyway. And, um, and I've actually backed off. I mean, social scientists tell us that the average American attention span, 32 to 33 minutes, is probably on the high end of what they're really able to consume. Mm-hmm. I just said, you know what? If that's true, let's see if I can preach the same thing I've been trying to preach in that same t- period of time. And I've been able to find that I can. And I think it's made it the, uh, the preaching more interesting to our people, more compelling, and they tend to consume and retain the information a little bit better.
0: I've never heard a long sermon that couldn't cut a little bit of the fluff out. Yeah, I mean that's just yeah, generally I think how that's it goes.
1: Absolutely right. I
0: so think with this collaborative um, model, let's take it past the, the the delivery. What is there any sort of like feedback, group feedback, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, I um, so I've done this for years. I created a. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. I have a sermon template, a sermon feedback Google Doc that is anonymous that i distribute to certain key people and ask them to provide some feedback Uh, to be honest with you i found that people have uh, we've had a little harder time since i've been at Brainerd getting people to um to fill it out Uh, but i've had people in the past who have been glad to fill it out and i try and keep it um somewhat short and specific and um uh, so and I, I ask for very specific things. What was the point of the text? Was there something that was particularly distracting that kept you from hearing the point of the text, were the illustrations applicable? I mean, it's it's that sort of thing, and we ask people mm-hmm. to do it anonymously so that they can just be gut level honest because I don't care. If I'm handing the, the, the link to only people I specifically trust, I'm not worried about who it is specifically that fills out the specific form. I really want to know what they have to say about it. And so I've done that. I also We also do some very informal feedback every week with the staff where I ask them to tell me. did I s-? And if I say something that's, I mean, we have a pretty transparent and relationally driven staff. And so if I say something that was goofy or I shouldn't have said, I'm going to have a text waiting for me by the time I get out of the pulpit. I mean, yeah. You know, they're going to say, Can you believe you said, or I, I can't believe you said that, or maybe you want to clarify it. That's another yeah. good value of having multiple services. If I say something early on that's particularly helpful or not helpful, I usually get feedback on that and I, I can accentuate or eliminate that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think that this is a huge element of what you're talking about here is just this open and honest kind of communication amongst leadership and the one who is delivering and being the mouth. A lot of times, the you know, to use Paul's example, the mouth thinks it's more important than the ears or the hands or whatever. And that's just not reality. That's the role. I always say this. I just happen to fill this role. This is the one that God has equipped me to do and he's put me in. And that does carry a level of authority. But when we're all acting together, it's best to just kind of be humble about it and say, you know, I'm not the world's most perfect communicator. So somebody could correct me in a number of things. And that can come from all sorts of directions. They don't need to have like a a demon in order to correct me on my sermon. So, oh,
1: absolutely. In fact, I would prefer someone who doesn't have a demon necessarily correct me on my sermon because I'm not preaching to demons. Right. And when we say demons, we mean doctorate of ministry, not D-E-M-O-N, not demons. Right. We've, we've, <laughs> we're sometimes we're those preaching those with a to demons. <laughs> yeah, there's occasionally those moments. But, I mean, I want... Who's the average person? What do they have to say about my sermon? What is it What is it communicating to them? Because that's who I'm preaching to 99% of the time.
0: Yeah, and, and you've got people in there, and it's not just... Um, you know, think about it this way. What does the person who has real issues with authority think? What does the person who has issues with, um, you know, like uh, abuse in their past think about the way that you're communicating this? How did they hear these things? You may not share those experiences, so you don't hear it that way and you don't mean it that way. But becoming right, aware sure. of people who are thinking through. We have a lot of millennials in our church, and they think um, with a certain level of distrust towards any sort of authority. And so you've got to deal with that if you're standing up and your job is to stand up and say thus saith the Lord that's a that's an authority figure and how do you communicate this in a way um, right. that doesn't negate God's authority but at the same time does communicate his relational aspects as well so um, I think I just think it's important to have that sort of feedback any final thoughts on what do we call this um, sermon planning and preaching collaborative preaching, preaching in a community
1: yeah I mean preaching community I just here's the other thing I think is helpful about preaching in community. Um, Pastors and church leaders are rarely in a position to get helpful feedback and investment in what we do if we don't intentionally seek it out. We'll get the unhelpful stuff. We'll get the negative stuff, right? People will chew us out. They'll yell at us. But, I mean, who are we inviting to be a part of our weekly rhythm of feedback and of, of what we're trying to do? That's incredibly helpful to me. It shapes us. It shapes me personally. My own sanctification shapes me as a leader. But that generally doesn't happen for the senior pastor unless we invite that kind of healthy, collaborative, feedback, and team-based approach. Like I yeah. said, if if you have, if you're in a smaller environment where you don't have lots of paid staff, use uh, some key volunteers in your church. Use it as a discipleship mechanism. Why not make choose two or three people in your church who you are trying to help. Grow in the, in the Word and grow in the Lord and say, all right, I want you to read this text every week, and then you're going to come, and we're going to meet together for an hour and a half. We're going to discuss the text, and you're going to help me form the sermon. Mm-hmm. You're helping mature and sanctify and, and disciple those individuals. They're getting time with you, and they're helping contribute to your sermon prep and uh, your sermon and your preaching, and they're going to help you become a better preacher.
0: Yeah, leverage what you're already doing towards collaborative ownership in the mission and the ministry of Christ through the yeah, church. Right. So. I think that's a great thing. Hey, just to close out here, this really isn't related to anything, but I do want to share this with our listeners. This is not a paid spot. It's not somebody that is asking us to do this. It's just kind of friends over at Lifeway are doing a, a little conference I think a lot of our listeners might be interested in. If you listen to podcasts, that sort of stuff, it's called Faith Leads Tech Conference. It's a one-day single-track conference bringing together followers of Jesus Christ centered on technology and innovation. It's going to be November 9th. 2018. I think it sounds really good from what I've seen. Like I said, it's not a paid spot or anything, so um, I'm just kind of passing that on. Something that we discovered or that we came across that I think a lot of our listeners would like and enjoy. As always, we do appreciate when you, you know, subscribe to the podcast and listen. Let others know on Twitter. Tell us what it is about uh, the show that you appreciate, and let other pastor friends of yours know um, about the EST. Let's help grow the show. Appreciate you listening. Mike it's always good to talk to you. Hope you have a great week and I'll chat with you all later. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, or listen online at lifewaypastors.com.